0: Welcome to another episode of the Bandage Podcast, a weekly wrap-up of the most trending healthcare news. Each week, we'll discuss the latest in healthcare, health IT, and compliance. In this week's episode, I discuss new at-home health services, mobile healthcare for rural communities, and a giant summer wellness festival. Let's wrap things up. This is episode 91 of the week of June 28th. I'm Matt Moneypenny. Before we get started, our diagnosis code of the week is S91.155A, open bite of left lesser toes without damage to nail, initial encounter. This is very specific. <laughs> so I think we talked about the big toe recently in one of the previous episodes. Now this is a diagnosis code for all the other toes or the lesser toes, which, you know, I feel like that's a little offensive. I don't necessarily think just because it's not the big toe doesn't mean that it's the lesser of the toes if it's a different toe. But um, that sounds kind of nasty. I imagine it's very, very common, especially in the West where there's snakes and, and spiders and all kinds of nasty little creatures who are out to get your toes. So, you know, protect your toes, everybody. With that, let's get right into the news. First up, we have Hoag at home. California-based HOAG Memorial Hospital Presbyterian announced that it launched HOAG at Home, which will provide at-home care services. A waiver program has given hospitals and new health systems the ability to invest more in hospital-level care at home. The program's new health offerings will include skilled nursing and therapy services and medical social services. It will also provide hospice care, palliative care, bereavement services, and physician support in the home. It will eventually provide private-duty home care, home infusion, and home medical equipment. The hospital realized it needed to expand its offerings to better serve its patients, eventually adapting to a less inpatient-based system. So I think we're kind of we're kind of going full circle in healthcare. I remember, I mean, if, if you've ever seen any movie that takes place in the older days, the olden days, as they call it, like early 1900s, things like that, there's a lot of Traveling nurses now obviously traveling nurses haven't gone away, but it's not as popular as it used to be and It's kind of interesting to see that It's becoming a lot more popular in that we're able to now give care to people who uh, Don't have access to a hospital Um, And it's also probably much cheaper for the patient if they don't have to go to the hospital um, and you know pay for room and board and all those meals and things like that but in this case they're bringing the hospital to your home so very interesting that they're doing this i like that they're doing this Um, i wonder if the medical costs are lower it would be nice but helpful thinking i guess next up mayo on the go mayo clinic health system is launching a new mobile health clinic to expand services in southern minnesota The clinic will increase outreach and provide access to health care directly to patients across rural communities. It will be based in a large commercial vehicle and will include two exam rooms, an on-site laboratory, and a pharmacy service. Patient visits will begin later in the summer, and specific locations and dates will be communicated to patients. They'll be able to receive preventative health screenings and manage chronic diseases. The clinic also has technology and equipment to connect patients virtually through video appointments with Mayo Clinic experts. Uh, So speaking of mobile health, back-to-back mobile health um, stories here. So what's interesting with this one is, and what kind of came to my mind, is specifically because it's a vehicle, right? In the early 2010s, mid-2010s, there was a craze, and the craze was food trucks. So, you know, is the new craze healthcare trucks? I mean, it seems like it is, right? It's kind of interesting. Obviously, it's probably not as exciting, (laughs) As, you know, street tacos, but, you know, street vaccinations, that's got a nice ring to it, right? So, it's definitely helpful either way. I mean, obviously, it's not food, so people aren't going to get as excited about it. But the fact that they can communicate where the location of the vehicle is is nice. I wonder how they're going to do that because historically, food trucks would communicate that through something like Twitter. So, maybe they will be mayo on the go, Twitter, hashtag, you know? So, we'll see. Next up, Grocery Train hosts massive Midwest wellness event. The Kroger Company is hosting the Wellness Experience Outdoor Festival to support the growing consumer interest in health and well-being. It will take place August 20th and August 21st in downtown Cincinnati, Ohio, which is also where they're headquartered. This is one of the largest free wellness and entertainment events in the Midwest. It offers live music, celebrity-led workouts, and cooking demonstrations, mental wellness talks, beauty demonstrations, panel discussions, a food expo, and family-friendly activities. The Food as Medicine Expo is available on both days and offers product sampling, cooking demos, and insights to empower better decision-making in the kitchen and disease prevention. The event is free, but the Food as Medicine Expo requires a donation of a Kroger canned food item or $5 for a food sampling wristband. That's cool. So this is a good move by Kroger. Who is actually just a grocery store? If you're not familiar with them, it's a grocery store. Now, uh, it's a, it's an interesting marketing move by them to target health specifically, because I mean I imagine that Kroger doesn't have and house all healthy foods, but they realize that people are starting to go towards a more whole food diet, which you know is also a competitor of theirs. But that's on purpose. They named you know grocery store Whole Foods is named Whole Foods because of the diet of having a whole food diet <laughs> so it's a little it's a little confusing sometimes but i mean that's just how it is and they did that on purpose um so yeah this is a good move by by kroger to try to to try to get people into their store um realize that it's this is a marketing convention that goes beyond the cost of the convention themselves so they're using the the front i guess for lack of a better term to make it a donation um entry fee as well which is also really nice and it also fits well with wellness um as its theme so good on kroger hopefully that goes well it seems kind of interesting i wonder what kind of celebrities are going to be there to work out you know if it's i wonder i can't imagine it's going to be something like the rock maybe it is but um it would be kind of funny if it was you know danny devito (laughs) doing a workout (laughs) with that let's go into our next segment B-R-E-A-C-H, Breach Patrol. It's a breach! All of the latest cybersecurity breaches. Welcome to Breach Patrol, where we talk about the latest breaches all across the world. First up, we have Supermarket Makes a Super Mistake. Speaking of supermarkets, U.S. supermarket chain Wegmans Food Markets just announced that it suffered a data breach after two databases were accessible online due to a, quote, misconfiguration. Data included customer names, addresses, phone numbers, birth dates, shopper club numbers, email addresses, and passwords for Wegmans.com accounts. The account passwords were hashed and salted. Wegmans said that the misconfiguration issue began on or around April 19, 2021, and has now been corrected. It isn't clear how many people were impacted just yet. In January, Wegmans' customer accounts were also potentially breached in a suspected credentialing stuffing attack. A lot of supermarket news. So we got a lot of mobile health news and we got a lot of supermarket news at the same time in this week's episode. So if you like either of those, this is the episode for you. (laughs) Um, What's the big takeaway from this breach? Okay, so email addresses and passwords and names and things like that. So hopefully people um, use different passwords across their accounts. Um, This goes back to you're not going to be really affected by this unless you fall for a um unless you use the same password on multiple accounts across the internet, or you are prone to falling for phishing attempts. So um, you know, you gotta if you're if you have been affected by this, it doesn't seem like they have reached out to those people who have been affected quite yet because they don't necessarily know um how many people have been affected, but you need To make sure that you stay alert as to what you're, what you're receiving in your inbox. If it's something from Wegmans, make sure that you confirm that it's from Wegmans. Um, you know, it's usually phishing attacks are pretty obvious, but the more information that people who attack or bad actors have when they're trying to do a phishing attack, the easier it is for them to actually achieve a phishing attacks goal. So stay alert. Um, and hopefully you use different passwords. And if you don't, go change your passwords as soon as possible. Next up, bundles of joy result in stolen bundles of data. The U.S. Fraternity Clinic Reproductive Biology Associates had sensitive information of 38,000 patients stolen in a ransomware attack. RBA became aware of the incident in April when it discovered that the file server containing embryology data had been encrypted. The clinic quickly determined that it was a ransomware attack and shut down the affected server within the same business day, which terminated the actor's access. Based on the investigation, they determined this month which individuals were impacted. Access to the encrypted files was regained, and RBA received confirmation from the actor that all exposed data was deleted and is no longer in its possession. RBA has also conducted web searches to check if any stolen information was being discussed or traded. So far, there's no indication of such activity. So a ransomware attack, right? I mean, this is one of the biggest trends right now in the cybersecurity realm. Um, and for good reason, the the bad actors are getting in and they're getting away with, um, stealing data and usually getting payment. Now, in this case, it doesn't say that there was payment. It seems that RBA had a very good remediation strategy in that as soon as they realized that there was a ransomware going on, they shut down the affected server in the same business day. So that is very fast, um, for a big business, especially, um, so RBA has a down pat, um, And they terminated the actor's access within the same day. So realize it was a ransomware attack, shut it down, and terminated access. That's like the best three things you could do in a ransomware attack. And given the fact that it happened within a day is very impressive. So kudos to them. Um, It also goes back to, you know, ransomware attackers are targeting healthcare. Obviously, they're not targeting fertility clinics as much as they are with, Hospitals, because I'm I'm not necessarily familiar with this, but I'm going to go ahead and say this that I don't think that fertility clinics time is of the essence as much as there is in like a ER room or um, you know intensive care unit something like that. So, but maybe fertility clinics do have very time sensitive information and procedures involved with them. So I'm not 100 percent familiar. I'm going to reiterate that here. Um, but the fact that RBA had such a good response to the ransomware attack tells me that maybe they do. so. And finally, ransomware is running through the South. St. Joseph Chandler, a large hospital in Georgia, suffered a ransomware attack on June 17th that led to EHR downtime. As a result, all documentation was done with pen and paper until the hack was contained. The hospital took immediate steps to isolate systems and to limit potential impact. It immediately launched an investigation, which is still ongoing in, in the early stages. Law enforcement has been notified and is actively investigating the attack. The hospital will notify individuals if they determine that their data was involved. Patient operations are continuing with the facility's established backup process and downtime procedures. So if you remember, this is a very similar breach to, ha- to what happened to the University of Florida Health uh, a few weeks ago that I covered in a, in a previous episode. Um, similar situation in that the EHR went down for them and they used notes, pen and paper. So. I also want to mention that the RBA breach that I just talked about also happened in Georgia. So Georgia, um, it looks like you are the, in the hot seat this week. Um, so sorry about that. But <laughs> it's not necessarily because it's the state of Georgia. Like the location doesn't necessarily matter, especially for the bad actors, what matters is who's vulnerable, right? So it just so happened that they both ended up being in Georgia uh, by coincidence. So it's also interesting. It's interesting for me that... When these EHR systems go down, the healthcare company is like, all right, this is my plan. We got key processes running, pen and paper. And I talked about this last time, but if you're familiar with doctors and nurses, you also know the stereotype that their handwriting is really bad. So I imagine that that's a pain in the butt, especially when the EHR comes back and they need to transfer all that paper, all those notes into an in electronic format. But, I mean, if it works, as long as it works, as long as they can continue what they're doing, that's all that matters, right? It definitely makes me scared, though, with ransomware being more on a trend and also Internet of Things being more of a trend, which Internet of Things is a buzzword for especially uh, particularly just smart devices, right? All these devices are connected to the Internet and they talk to each other, which is really cool. But it's also scary, especially if smart devices start becoming more healthcare centric. Um, then that would shut down an entire hospital's operating procedures until they handled the ransomware attack. So um, St. Joseph Chandler, interesting response, not necessarily terrible, not as fast as RBA, but um, as long as their operations are up and running and and no data has really been stolen, they're good to go. And that's it for this week's wrap-up of your weekly healthcare news. I'm Matt Moneypenny. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Bandage Podcast produced by eTactics.